0: This podcast contains spoilers, swear words and spiritual guidance. You're welcome. Boop. I think we're ready.
1: Yeah. Warm.
0: I feel warm. Oh. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, no! oh so warm.
2: Oh my god. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is really started off with bangs. <laughs>
1: Sorry, give me that noise
0: again. Welcome to Bad Choices, a podcast about some friends trying to figure out what it means to be good people while also trying to figure out how to stop binge-watching sitcoms like The Good Place. I'm Hannah McGregor. And I'm a toy space ranger who's getting a little too old to be partying so hard, Buzz Lightbeer. (laughs) yeah that one's fun okay hey who's our guest our guest this episode is the one the only wendy one say hi wendy hello hello hi wendy how do you do yep good good (laughs) super good how are you doing
2: Oh, things are okay?
0: Things are okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect. sounds
2: like we've taken you hostage. It, <laughs> wow. It you took a like... lot of coaxing to get me here. I realize that. But my FOMO has gotten the best of yeah, me. Yeah. So
1: FOMO froyo. you.
2: Now I'm here and going to crush this. Yeah, you are. Question it. mark at the end.
0: <laughs> Doth one crush a podcast?
2: Mm. Crusheth?
0: Yeah, crusheth. Verily, <laughs> This time out, we're talking about The Good Place, Season 1, Episode 12, Mindy St. Clair. In this episode, Eleanor, Jason, and Janet escape to the medium place on a stolen train. When they arrive, they have to walk for a while, but then they meet Mindy St. Clair, a hotshot attorney from the 80s who was a coke-riddled trash bag her whole life, but then created a huge global charity fund just before she died. Meanwhile, Sean begins the trial without Eleanor, and Chidi, Tahani, Michael, and new Eleanor argue on their friend's behalf. Ultimately, Sean rules against Eleanor and Jason and decides that, if the two fugitives don't return, Chidi and Tahani will be sent to the Bad Place in their stead. Eleanor eventually ignores Mindy's advice to stay in the medium place and convinces a stubborn and horny Jason to return in order to save their friends flashbacks show various scenes from eleanor's life her emancipation from her parents and the day of her death the episode ends with sean the eternal judge growing tired of the proceedings and decreeing that since they have all done bad things the group can choose any two of the four characters to go to the bad place they must decide who stays and who goes
1: hey wendy yes do you want to hear about our spoiler policy
2: I was just going to ask. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Here's what it is. We are spoiling the premise of the first season, Mm -hmm. but nothing beyond season one.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah. You can say that they're in the bad place, but you can't say that. Beep.
1: (laughs) That was good. Thanks. That was good. Let's rate this fucking episode.
0: This time, out of a possible 11 cool snakes, we will be rating this episode according to the following five criteria. Dancing ability. Coolness, dopeness, freshness, and smart brain. Classic. <laughs> they are classic. Dancing ability.
2: Oh I feel like Mindy Sinclair would would have been a killer dancer. Oh, great point. All that Coke in her sis? Oh yeah. In oh, yeah. yeah. her sis.
0: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point.
2: Yep. 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 Yeah, you could tell her she would rip it up on that dance floor.
0: Could we interpret the off-screen attempted intercourses as some sort of ballet between not a robot and not a good person? That's a
1: great point. All of those diagrams diagrams that they have taped up to the mantle.
0: (laughs) The merry-go-round. The
1: merry-go-round, the spider crawl, the leapfrog they're just they're, that's all dancing that's all, all that's beautiful choreography those are yeah. dance moves it gets 11 cool snakes
0: yeah uh, i'll second that 11 cool snakes perfect score this is a dancey episode yeah it's,
1: full of, it's full of off-screen dancing mm-hmm. the best the best kind of dancing if
0: footloose taught me anything the best <laughs> dancing happens off screen
1: yeah it's like jazz right it's about the dances that you don't see
0: oh that's beautiful Whoa. put that on a t-shirt someone that's not me coolness oh this
1: episode's so cool the end (laughs) this episode this has got to be one of the coolest episodes in the season for the general like how beautifully everything comes together the way that all of the narrative threads that have been spun through the season are all like by the end of this episode everything has come together and the final episode's just a bottle episode with a big revelation. Like this one is really the climax. This This is is where we see, like we return to Eleanor's fundamental ethical quandary and we get concrete evidence of the ways in which she is transformed as a person Totally, by coming face to face with somebody who is basically a version of her. We also get finally backstory about the trauma that is like the origin story Mm -hmm. of her shittiness. Like this is... And Such she a cool sacrifices
0: episode. the thing that she's been trying to get all along. She finally gets to the medium place that she's yep. been demanding since the very beginning. And then she willingly leaves because uh, her friends' uh, lives are at stake. Yeah. I also really like the various different protocols we learn that are available to Janet. The yes. ride or die protocol. The walkie-talkie protocol. Sean makes a dig at humans about how needy we all are. Because they want to hear the judgment after he's. Uh, okay, you can't it. just
1: list all the funny jokes in the episode. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Never mind, it's your podcast.
0: <laughs> right yeah, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> okay, coolness. <laughs> give me, give me some numbers. Out 13. of eleven. <sighs> Wild. Okay, I can't list jokes, but you can just destroy the rating system uh-huh. on a whim. Yeah. Okay. No rules in this. Town. Wendy, what do you think?
2: I thought it was kind of cool. I wouldn't say it's all the way cool. Kind of like medium cool.
0: Whoa. Alright. So
1: what number do you attach to being medium? 5.5?
2: Like a a million (laughs) and (laughs) eight.
1: Oh, you understand this rating system so well. Mm -hmm. Great. A million and eight. It's cool, but is it dope? It's more cool than it is dope. It's much more cool than it is dope. Mm -hmm. Because it's doing a lot of narrative work that is really exciting. So there are fewer just like hilarious scenes and i fucking love mindy there were
0: some fun surprises mindy was a fun surprise michael briefly wearing janet's outfit was a fun surprise (laughs) i enjoyed that
1: i didn't put together that it was janet's outfit i was just like why is michael wearing that (laughs) silky blouse what is happening
2: they did not explain it at all right did i miss it no well he
1: said because there's no janet here i've brought you your final meal so he's trying to be Janet. Oh, be as Janet. As a
2: comfort. Yeah. Let's look at him. How can he be a demon? Huh? Hmm? Okay, listen. So lovely. <laughs> I know.
1: I mean, there is a
0: bit of a twist in when Sean revises his judgment and says, Two of you can go, you fucking pick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, that that's is a, a twist. good twist. Ending. There's the, the sort of that's double twist, right? There's the twist of. Eleanor deciding to turn around and come back, and then there's the additional twist of like, oh, that might actually not work out in as straightforward
0: a fashion as you expect. Yeah, I mean, I'll give it 6.66. I'm
1: going to give it (laughs) 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 6.9.
2: $1. Oh, good answer.
0: And that takes us to freshness okay
1: what's the freshest uh extremely fresh is mindy st Clair's teal 80s power suit yes extremely fresh is the notion that jason and janet cannot figure out how to have sex Mm -hmm. because janet is
0: not a girl still not a girl um also fresh is sean's um physical inability to deal with human emotion and his hilarious coping mechanism
1: i love that he cocoons (laughs) He just
0: cocoons oh. on a whim.
2: We all just want to do that, don't we? I
1: would love to be able to cocoon when faced with a situation I don't enjoy.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, My just... protection shell. Yep, just...
0: Be full of goo? For sure,
1: ideally. Your skin would be great, imagine.
0: It's a cocoon that is uh, lined with our favorite skincare products.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which are? Let's get into that. Oh, oh. Hyaluronic acid. Ooh.
0: Face soap. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, we are at like $200 <laughs> price point here with Hannah. And then like a 20 cent over here with Marshall.
0: Just whatever soap's around.
2: Just whatever.
1: Just hand soap. Yeah. This Even is we'll do because of pinch.
2: society. Wendy, what's your favorite skin product? Oh, I should have had an answer to this before I asked.
1: It's okay. We can edit out this podcast ruining pause. Uh, uh,
2: I haven't found a favorite. I'm still experimenting. Oh. But I definitely am into the acids now. The acids
1: are amazing. There's uh-huh. also this thing. I feel like the brand is Park and Sun, but I might have made that up. Mm-hmm. And it's just called Beauty Water. And it's fucking incredible. And it's like $80 a bottle. Oh, my God. But it's so good. Anyway. I don't think my face is worth that much. Green skincare is a pretty it exciting world to delve into.
0: God, I don't know nearly enough to engage in this conversation anymore. Do you want to give this a freshness score so I can participate again? Oh, yeah. Eleven. All right.
2: Two Neutrogena bottles out of one generic life brand, Mistler water.
0: Okay. I'll say sandwich because <laughs> I don't know what's happening anymore. <laughs> and that takes us to smart brain oh, this
1: is good this is a smart episode i can always tell when they're doing something with the ethics and philosophy because i end up taking a lot of
0: notes oh yeah yeah that's yeah. the sign you did take a lot of notes i took a lot of notes yeah. the
1: reappearance of what we owe to each other is that the name of the book
0: yes that is the book
1: yeah the way that it is bringing full circle the ethical questions that the whole season has been grappling with and then drawing them together in a like really great object lesson it's just fucking it's great
0: Yeah, and Eleanor has two new counterpoints to work off in the position that she previously had been in, right? With uh, Mindy and Jason, who don't want her to do the good thing and use arguments that previously Eleanor probably would have used herself in different situations. And now she's the one who's trying to convince everyone that they need to go back and explain the reasons why she can do so fucking love that
1: nobody cares about jason (laughs) nobody's defending jason nobody's arguing for jason to stay in the good place everybody's like oh no he
0: sucks for sure sean explains why because he's from florida Mm -hmm. i've never been to florida i don't know it it could be nice i
1: think it's probably like any other place has some bad people and some really good people Mm -hmm. i think
2: his innocence definitely gets the best of him.
1: yeah Yeah, we don't get to spend a lot of time thinking about Jason as a character yet in this season. I think we get that more as the show continues. Mm -hmm. But I do think there's a really interesting subtext there of like, how do these extremely intellectual models of being a good person that Cheedy is teaching Eleanor apply when you're dumb? Because dumb people are not bad people. And you should not be required to right. have a like sophisticated university style grasp of ethical theory in order to be good or to be redeemable, right? Like it's a, totally anyway, this is we're getting ahead of ourselves. Ten <laughs> cool snakes.
0: Nine.
2: This one was up there for sure. Out of 10. Out of 11. Out of 11. 11.
1: Ugh.
0: Amazing. Another perfect score. Oh,
1: great job. Great all job, right.
0: episode. Speaking of perfect scores, do you want to do a lightning round? Oh, so badly. Uh, this segment is called Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> That's what Hannah does, but she's currently taking a drink, so I'll fill in. This is our lightning round. This will warm us all up. We'll get to know each other. Listeners will get to know us. And you'll get to answer some fun questions in a rapid fire type process speed.
1: Good. Yeah. Good description of a lightning <laughs> round. Spot That's on. what
0: lightning rounds do. Are you too ready for the lightning round? Mm-hmm. These are going to come fast and furious. Seven. Hobbs and Shaw. In space. In space. <laughs> Who's ready to do a lightning round? Raise your hand if you're ready to do a lightning round.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yes.
0: Okay. We're ready. Starting with. Hannah, what should the item limit be for express checkout lines? Two. Wendy, same question. Eight. Wendy, what's sexier, Lamborghinis or Linguinis? (laughs)
2: Linguinis? Plural. None. Luigi. Okay. (laughs)
0: Love it. Hannah, what's sexier, Lamborghinis or Linguinis or Luigis?
1: I mean, Luigis for sure.
0: Okay, great. But
1: Luigis with Linguinis (laughs) in a Lamborghini? Oh, yes. Make a fucking poster. Mm Yep.
0: Hannah, do you have a second to talk about the environment? Yeah, for sure. Wendy, same question.
2: Depends on my schedule for the day. Oh, yeah.
1: Actual real life answer is like me with my headphones in, mouthing, like shaking my head and mouthing like, so sorry, I'm late for work. But not saying it out loud, just like just making an exaggerated <laughs> sorry for Just squishing your walking. face a bit and shrugging. Just, like, oh, oh, yeah. just shrug, oh, just, just but
0: don't slow down. Hannah, mm-hmm. what is a perk of living alone other than getting to walk around naked?
1: Oh, uh the only dishes in the sink are dishes that you put in the
2: sink.
0: Oh,
1: great answer.
2: Wendy, same question. The best is never closing the bathroom door ever. Oh, I love
0: not
1: closing the bathroom door. Yeah. So
0: good.
2: Those hinges are getting so rusty. Yeah. They're getting so squeaky. Yeah. Yeah, They don't get used at all. Yeah.
0: Good answers. Okay. Wendy, if you could ask your pet one question and they could answer, what would you ask?
2: Do you love me? No, that's too sad. (laughs)
0: That's a great answer.
1: That whole answer together was poetry.
0: Hannah, same question.
2: Oh, I'd
1: ask them if they were happy.
0: Oh, so nice. Hannah, to what extent should governments make laws to regulate moral behavior?
1: Oh, I, do, I think for the most part, it is not the role of the government to regulate morality, but rather to keep everybody like safe and free and to promote equity and people's ability to thrive and that morality should be more of a socially enforced thing
0: okay all right that's my lightning round answer. that's your lightning round answer short Mm -hmm. succinct to the point Wendy same question to what extent should governments make laws to regulate moral behavior
2: I think I agree with Hannah they they shouldn't have their hands in it that should be up to the people so the government should provide the tools And Mm. the people should choose to use those tools or be offered to use those tools. Good
0: answers. Good answers. All right. Wendy, how will humans as a species go extinct?
2: We're well on our way to doing that ourselves, aren't we? <laughs> just, <keep laughs> just more on, of the same. On, yeah, know? yeah. Just, just continue living our lives the way we want. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, same question. Yep. No, that's the one we're that's gonna we're thing.
1: gonna render the planet uninhabitable to ourselves through our own actions, and then slowly boil to death. <sighs> and then wonder why. And then be like, oh,
0: what an unjust god or something.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Uh, okay, two more. Uh, Hannah. Why are you like this?
1: Oh, I mean, probably feminism.
0: Okay, Wendy, same question. Why are you like this? I
2: don't have money to go to therapy. <laughs> Both
0: good answers. Final question, Wendy. What is one thing you are currently trying to be better at?
2: Drumming. Yeah,
0: Wendy's taking drum lessons. She's getting good. That's
1: so cool.
0: Yeah, that's oh, fucking awesome. You gonna start a new band? We're gonna jam next week. Great, that's it's amazing.
1: That's amazing. That's so hardcore.
0: Hannah, same question. What is one thing you're currently trying to be better at?
1: Like consistent press-free, high-quality vocal production. Whoa! Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Damn. In what capacity? In my chorus. Yeah, when I get, like, excited, we're in the middle of, like, singing a song, I tend to press. Mm-hmm. I tend to, like, try to use pressure to, like, increase volume or, like, keep going if I'm tired. And it's bad. Press is bad. Press makes you go flat. It takes the resonance out of your voice. You need to keep your throat relaxed and just have, like, natural, free vocal production throughout in order to to maintain your vocal quality.
0: Listeners, you can't see, but Hannah's doing this with her arm. <laughs> Yeah, like a circular (laughs) gesture. Sorry, you can't see me right (laughs) now,
1: but I'm doing this with my face.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that brings us to the end of the world's slowest lightning round how dare you we did so well it was so fast this was a good one this was a good one actually this was pretty great uh this has been can't stop won't stop
1: if Uh, you don't give us positive reinforcement when we do well we're never gonna try to improve you (laughs) both
0: get one thousand cool snakes for doing such a good lightning round
1: can stop did stop
0: fully stopped um i have a question (sighs) that i'd like to ask both of you wow this episode reminded me of of it i'm sorry would you like to do something else
2: Ask yourself first.
0: I have asked myself a lot. I've asked my therapist. I've asked <laughs> some other friends. Now I'm asking you too. Oh my two. God! So
1: you can't even use your catchphrase, me. <laughs> save it for therapy. <laughs>
0: I mean, I can save it for more therapy. Um, so we see Eleanor's backstory in this episode, and you know, divorce or other. Bad parenting in different ways can make childhood hard, but this is the first time Eleanor decides to stop using that as an excuse. And I'm wondering, to what extent can those things, essentially the mistakes or ignorance of others, be used as excuses for our bad behavior? Or are they more like developmental factors that we just have to try to understand or overcome or work through? Is it one or the other? What do you do with, you know, hardship? A life of hardship, childhood hardship.
2: Childhood trauma is a rough one. We have really squishy brains at those ages. We're very impressionable, and we're we're soaking up a lot more than we even think we are.
1: Yeah. yeah, like that is the thing, right? That that we what we see throughout this season is a sort of attitude of, oh, it's just an excuse to blame your bad behavior on your childhood trauma, and I think that's. Failing to account for the way that trauma fundamentally changes us, mm-hmm. mm. which doesn't mean that it then becomes a sort of indefinite excuse to never try to do better or never try to change or never try to have right. diff- a different kind of life or different kinds of relationships. But it's hard oh, yeah. because you literally have to rewire your brain <laughs> and you don't rewire your brain overnight by deciding to be better. You rewire your brain which i think is a thing that the show is actually interestingly sort of playing out by consistently making different kinds of choices different kinds of relationships mm-hmm. and being Living conscious yeah. of it.
2: right you, you have to you have to acknowledge your trauma first mm-hmm. and that in and of itself is super hard And it takes people a long time to get there. A super
1: significant part of this Mm -hmm. episode, right? That this whole season has been about Eleanor being a shitty person. And this episode literally takes us back to aspects of her personality and forms of interactions that we've seen before and which were previously sort of laughed off as a like, oh yeah, what a hilarious dirtbag. And the way that the episode saves until the very end this sort of revelation, which is, you know, you see the person she was as a child and you get a sense that yeah it's played for laughs but this is serious emotional financial and physical neglect like this is child abuse she had a a childhood in which she was abused Mm -hmm. and that fucks people up and it really shifts the narrative around like what does it mean for somebody who has been through that to like really try to to turn their life around like that is hard and and like you said it really starts from saying like i think i understand why i am like this i mean that's the whole that's why that question comes yeah yeah back yeah, again yeah, and yeah, again. yeah why are you like
0: this yeah and that's why i i like this episode one of the things one of the few things that has helped me reconcile with certain hardships is the the understanding trying to tease apart What was going on, why it was going on, what it means now, what it did to me at that point and how it's still manifesting in how I am with other people and how I make my choices. And it feels like it's never going to end. It's just a constant process of like teasing all that apart and those connections, like the tendrils that are still reaching from my past into today. I kind
1: of had a revelation of a similar type during my last round of therapy where we did a lot of work on trauma and childhood trauma and sort of PTSD and how it is manifests in my life. And towards the end, I was sort of saying to my therapist, like, okay, well, well, how do we fix it? Like, what, what happens now? And she was like, we don't fix it. Like, it doesn't go away. It doesn't. You develop skill sets and tools to live with it. You become aware of it you become and it is true that awareness of it has made it significantly less crippling and has been really transformative for me but there was i did kind of have this i think quite naive hope that like at some point during the therapy process like i would be pronounced healed and would have hmm. no trauma I'll anymore just be better. and it was like oh no that's not how that works you just develop a different relationship those events never go away no no. Sorry, everyone. No, Ooh, they it's don't. a bummer. They <laughs> don't. Um,
0: a friend of mine used to say something along the lines of, I'm going to misquote him, but he used to say that, our parents break us, and then it's our job to just slowly put ourselves back together. Yeah. But you're never, like, fixed or done or better.
1: I really thought you were going to say, as a friend of yours used to say, it's cracking everything. It's how the light gets in. <laughs> you know, your friend. Your close personal friend. My oh, good pal. Who are you talking about? It's beautiful. It's Leonard Cohen. Oh. It's a beautiful Leonard Cohen line. We went to
0: kindergarten together and yeah, then yeah, we yeah. grew apart. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you have aged great. Thank you.
1: It's so interesting. The tra- I like the treatment of trauma a lot in this episode and in this season in general. Like, it's a comedy, so it's not going to get super, super deep into it. But I really like the way that we are shown that Eleanor's trauma is abandonment, consistent Mm -hmm. neglect and abandonment that led to her attempting to live a life in which she cut all ties with everyone, in which she relied on other people for nothing and allowed them to rely on her for nothing. As she was trying to construct around herself a fantasy of independence, but you can tell it was always a fantasy because her desire to be independent always had to do with her ongoing, uncontrollable emotional connection to her parents you don't try to protect yourself that hard if you're not still hurting and you're hurting because the people who you wanted to keep you safe
0: didn't. Totally. Yeah. 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 And that's why for me, the understanding part helps me see those patterns. Right. So it's like, because this happened in a consistent way, when I was younger, I learned that this is what love looks like Mm -hmm. so that now I keep doing this because that's the only type of love I've experienced. Right. And understanding why I'm like that or, or, Why are you like this? It helps me see things differently and make different choices in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't have been able to without knowing the connection or what's going on. The more I understand, the more able I am to cope and work through and continue to exist.
1: Like even the way you described it just now, right? It's like you coping, you understanding yourself, you fixing yourself. But one does not heal trauma that comes from relationships without relationships like when you have severed yourself emotionally from other people through this fantasy of independence which is about trying to be like well I was hurt in the past so I'll just not need people anymore you can never fix that by yourself because the more you try to do it by yourself the more you are perpetuating exactly that harmful dynamic where you you know are trying to sever yourself from other people and this is what this episode shows us that right. ultimately you have to put yourself back in that vulnerable position of needing people trusting people relying on people which is the hardest thing to do when you have been betrayed and abandoned but it's the only way forward i
2: mean we're all unbaked cookies as we should be right should never be finished. We should always be working on ourselves. And understanding is the only way to go forward. Mm-hmm. So how do we understand what our traumas are? And then how do we learn to live with them? How do we learn from them and become the person we want to become? Because they're never going away. Yeah. They're, they're here to stay. And that's a rhyme. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, I love those questions and I really love that framing of like how do you become the person you want to be not despite but because of all of the things that have happened to you good and bad because you are not you cannot be a person despite your experiences you are a person because of your experiences mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you have to build new relationships with different people so you can learn how to be around others in healthy supportive loving ways yeah and it's really hard and scary because you have to be honest and open and vulnerable and if all you've ever experienced from relationships that were supposed to be loving was uh, neglect or abandonment or indifference it's terrifying to try to go back to that place again because that's all you know that's what you expect that's the baseline and no one wants to do that no. You know that that's not going to happen. You know your friends aren't going to do that, but it's still scary to try to build that new different type of relationship with people as you grow and change. Yeah,
1: And it doesn't really matter if you know it in your brain because your those instinctive responses are still there being like, nope, nope, don't trust anyone. They'll leave you. Everyone will leave you. Yeah,
0: leave them first. Then it won't hurt as much.
1: Yes, but then you meet those people who like, come into your life as though they have been hand delivered to you to help you deal with some of your shit oh my god yeah right those people who just show up in your life and they're like hello i am here specifically to help you deal with this thing and it's like oh amazing i'm not even talking about hired professionals it's talking about people who like possess the particular kind of wisdom that is exactly the thing you
0: need I used to put people on a pedestal when they've experienced or thought or could help me with my stuff. I was like, oh, you're a functioning human being. You're great. You're awesome. I just need to be like you. But then you see that they struggle with stuff and have flaws and insecurities and it humanizes them. And then you can actually build a normal relationship. God, who
2: wants to hang around someone who's perfect anyways? That's so aggravating. Yeah. And it's also
1: not fun to have people think that you are perfect. Like neither of those things are good, right? Like you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hardship. 11 cool snakes out of 11.
1: <laughs> yeah, two thumbs way up for hardship. <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's value in it.
1: Yeah, I There's mean, have you ever met people whose lives have been legitimately just like smooth sailing? And it's just like, well, you are correspondingly bland. It's mm-hmm. so hard to be friends with them. Yeah, they're What delusional. do you talk about? What do you do with? Their yeah. hobbies are tedious. I genuinely have trouble making serious friendships with people who are not struggling with some kind of trauma. Yeah. And we Just all like, got w- it. Yeah. <laughs> we all got it. And you know what they say. If you got it. Flaunt it. Yep. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Speaking of flaunting it, do you guys want to do a segment? Mm-hmm. Okay. it
1: to us I really have to pee but I'm just I feel like maybe I should try to harness this energy in this next yeah. segment Ooh. channel
0: channel those urges into this segment
1: do your kegels yeah I'm doing like a strong kegel and I'm gonna see if that makes me better at podcasting
0: this is a brand new segment that I came up with 10 seconds ago <laughs> this segment is called sexy things woohoo sexy oh. things oh. oh. There are two rounds. The first round is seeing how many of the sexy things that Jason listed in the episode when he told Janet what sexy you recall. Oh, God. We will go back and forth until someone runs out.
2: Okay, I'm ready. Oh, this is going
0: be real marks. quick. Get set, starting with Wendy.
2: Lamborghinis.
0: Correct. Hannah.
1: 20,000 Instagram followers.
0: Correct. Wendy, back to you.
2: Oh, shit. Sex.
0: Correct. Hannah.
1: Uh, girls with pigtails
0: licking lollipops? Correct. Oh, uh, yeah, that was one. <laughs> Back to you, Wendy.
2: Um, cool Snakes?
0: Cool Snakes is one. Back to Hannah.
1: Carl's Jr. ads.
0: Carl's oh. Jr. ads, correct. <laughs> Wendy, there are two remaining.
2: There's only two more, huh?
0: If you can't get one... It's over to Hannah for the steal and the round one win. Give me a second. I need
2: to try to remember another one. There is something after Lamborghinis, right? Something about music?
0: Should we just call it a draw?
2: I also can't remember another one. I think we tied. Oh, it's a tie. Three to
0: three. The remaining two were spinning rims. And latex pants. Latex oh. pants. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is okay. too
2: random.
0: Oh, good job though. Good job to yeah. both of you. Three, yeah. three to three, three to three. This is round two, and you have to name as many additional sexy things as you can. it's a it's a fatigue game whoever quits first loses (laughs) this is an endurance test it's gonna go for an hour starting right now hannah
1: women dressing cosplay as male characters
0: perfect wendy
1: uh
2: books shaped like books
0: great (laughs) uh
1: uh lesbians with haircuts that are longer on the top and shorter on the sides
0: Ooh, good wendy
2: oh um clean feet (laughs) Oh,
1: he's great. Uh, Femmes who have those manicures where all of their fingers are long except for their right hand index and middle fingers.
0: Yeah. Wendy.
2: Hair where only hair should be.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wendy's crushing it.
1: (laughs) Anna. <laughs> oh, somebody who knows how to open a bottle of champagne without popping the cork. Oh. oh wow. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Wendy.
2: Not asking me to go on a hike. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: Adam. Oh my god. Uh successfully figuring out where the light bulb in my refrigerator is. Ooh, good one, Wendy.
2: Ooh, um dead shark eyes.
0: Don't know what that means, but That's
2: I- sexy. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, don't oh shame my, my preferences. Oh, oh, hot sheets
1: on a winter's night. You know when you have just have the sheets straight out of the dryer and then you put them on your bed and you get straight oh, into them and they're okay. hot and it's cold in your room? Yeah, all right, like
2: all right. That's
0: sexy. That's sexy. Wendy.
2: Um, When a hot guy gets off their chair and you immediately go sit on their chair and get their <laughs> hot butt hair on butt. Ha, <laughs> ha. <laughs> yes! Oh my
0: god! I know exactly what she's talking about.
2: Give me some of that hot butt hair! Oh my god! I give up!
0: I forfeit. I forfeit! You win! Wendy is the winner! Wendy has won the first and only Sexy Things competition. <laughs>
1: But you know what? I was right. Kegeling through that whole round was exactly the right choice. <laughs> yeah. Kegel energy. Oh, yeah. Just, oh, just right from my in. root chakra. Yes. Okay. I have to go.
0: All right. Let's do okay, this. Okay. I have a
1: question. Kay. Okay.
0: Okay. Hey. Hey. I have a question. All right.
1: Is there any such thing as moral or ethical neutrality? I think that is a subtextual question that this episode invites us to ask by showing us this one unique person who Uh is in this neutral place, but making it so clear that neutrality doesn't get to be an option for anybody but her.
0: But it's also not really even an option for her. Exactly. More like she's not a medium person. She ended up in circumstances that were kind of bad and kind of good and they couldn't decide. She looks out for number one. She tries to convince Eleanor to stay, to not go. She's like, "Uh, whether or not your friends get tortured is up to them, right? Like we've talked more in the past about how in these situations, context is important. Um, your intention's important, um, consequences are important. And given how many different variables are at play in the types of decisions we have to make in our day-to-day, I don't think there would or could be a neutral position mm-hmm. for any of those types of things, or at least anything of importance. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think that there's something really interesting that this episode's getting at in terms of there being, right? that the, the idea of... A neutral or medium place because all of that language kind of comes up in the episode that it's neutral that it's medium that it's nothing that it's sort of in this this weird that it's not just liminal but that it's sort of outside of the binary system of the good place and the bad place and what this episode seems to be telling us is that you don't get to take a stance of neutrality and that complexity and neutrality are not the same thing So recognizing that things are messy and complicated and require really complex judgment calls in which there's no clear right and wrong answer is not the same thing as being neutral.
0: And they're medium-placed. Like, it's not even neutral. It's just a little bit of good and a little bit of bad that balances out. It's not absent of either. It's not a unique position Mm -hmm. or perspective. It's just... What someone decided was an equal balance between some good stuff and some bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. Things can be complex. You can have different perspectives. I don't know if there's a.
2: I would say most people are neutral. Right, <laughs> right? In like the we're
1: D and D sense
0: Laugh, <laughs> lawful
2: neutral. lawful <laughs> neutral. No, I just mean like most people we know who we interact with on a day-to-day basis. They're not monsters. Mm -hmm. But they're also not saints. Yeah. They haven't done the most good in the world that could send them to a quote-unquote heaven. Yeah. And they're not bad enough to go to a hell. Yeah. That's all of us. That's me, you, and everyone in this room. Yeah. 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 I don't deserve to go to a perfect paradise. I don't think so anyways. But I also know that I don't deserve to go to the worst place imaginable.
1: And that's what I mean by complexity instead of neutrality. That it's not... Like, are we morally neutral or are we morally
0: morally balanced, morally
1: flawed, like morally complex, morally?
0: Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we do the good thing. Sometimes we do the bad thing. All of us. We're kind of average. Yes.
1: All of us are doing some good things and some bad things. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: We've listed a lot of the good things and bad things we've done on this podcast. We sure have. You can tally them up. Don't tally them up. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. Please Give don't us tally points. them up. <laughs> Fuck no. No, but I think that Wendy makes a good point, right? It's a little bit of both. Neutrality is not the framing of that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's,
1: so the difference between an Eleanor and a Mindy is not that Eleanor is a better person than Mindy is, but that she chooses, Mindy says, choose yourself. Yeah. It's easier to do nothing. And Eleanor says... No, I'm actually going to try. And that I was thinking about that in relation to our conversation in the last episode about motivation, because there's an interesting conversation to be had in this episode about intention. Mindy got into the medium place because she had a good intention and she's being rewarded for that. But for Eleanor, you know, it's got to be translated into action like it's about doing gotta, things she's yeah. gotta do the hard and thing neutrality
0: as it's conceived of or discussed in lots of other um, aspects of our life has to do with opting out yeah right Actually,
1: I think all the time we look at Things in the world and we say, well, uh, that seems complicated and I don't want to have an opinion about it. And it's not directly impacting me right now. So I'm going to opt out. I'm going to go with the flow. I'm going to mm. do nothing and hope that other people fix it instead. Yeah, but that's the choice
0: us, to do nothing.
1: Yeah. And that's the, the mindy right. choice. Right. That's the attempt to to remain neutral on things to be like, well, I don't hate the environment, but. Doing something about it seems hard, so I'm just going to try to be neutral on it, right? Which brings us back to that question of, like, when it comes to ethically serious questions, can we be neutral?
0: No, because it's still a choice. You're choosing not to go into the place that's hard or to involve yourself in something, right? Because you would convince yourself that it's not important to you. There's something going on in your taking a neutral position or in your decision to opt out or the way in which you opt out of those things that isn't neutral that has impact on y- yourself and other people and other things there's no you can avoid things but that's
2: it seems like a choice like a conscious choice when you you have that information but you it might be too difficult or mm-hmm. to too, get too complicated or something you just don't like you don't want to enter into that harsh realm
0: yep yeah because there's always values too hard and you're valuing your time or comfort or ease over the other things that are going on in that situation which isn't neutral that's choosing yourself over other people or choosing your comfort or um safety or it's selfish um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. Selfishness is really, I mean, this episode is about selfishness in a lot of ways. Being selfish, being self centered, putting yourself first. And it makes a pretty strong argument that, like, selfishness sucks. <laughs> that it's really not an adequate way to relate to the world, that putting yourself and your comfort first is going to result in you both isolating yourself, but also harming others. In
2: certain circumstances. Yeah,
1: I mean, because we don't want to flip it around and be like, and therefore put yourself last all the time. Yeah. Like, because that's also... It's a balancing act. Yeah. I mean, the the episode, I just realized the degree to which the episode is playing with the idea of that being a masturbatory stance. Yeah. Like, I care only about my own pleasure. Like, literally, she's just just constantly masturbating. Mm -hmm. But that... The episode pretty clearly aligns itself with what I would call a Levinasian ethics. Have we talked about Levinas before? I don't think so. Levinas's idea of ethics, his definition of ethics is that ethics is a unavoidable responsibility we have towards the other. And he understands ethics as being sort of the primary philosophical driving force. So like insofar as we even exist as subjects who can think of ourselves as subjects, it's because we are surrounded by others that we are in relationship to, with that we are in relation to. And that because of that, we have this primary relationship of, of owing something to the other before anything else. We are responsible to the other. He describes it as a relationship akin to being a hostage. We are hostage to the other that we, we can't exist without them. And so, right at the very root of being a person is the question of what we owe to each other and that yeah. is what this episode presents as being the the driving force of how eleanor's making her decisions is thinking right. not how do i survive what do i owe to others and she makes the decision what matters here is what i owe
0: to other people and in the flashbacks it's the opposite it's the me first no matter what survival instincts if i thinking even ahead like i'm gonna not do this good thing because in the future it'll mean i'll have to do a bunch of hard stuff or things i won't like so i'm gonna preemptively opt out even Mm
2: -hmm. sacrificing herself to help her friends will ultimately be more comforting to her like living with with not doing it is not comforting
1: she wouldn't be able to live with not doing it and, and that realization that I cannot live with the person that I would be mm-hmm. if I didn't care for others, if I didn't answer to my responsibility to others, like that is a really, that's a, that's an ethical calling, right? That's an internally motivated sense of like, in this moment, I think I know what's right. And I think that I know it because I know that I couldn't live with myself if I made the other choice.
0: Right. Yeah, I think you described in the past the difference between ethics and morality and both had to do with the decision making in relation to other people.
1: Yeah, I mean, the difference the way that it's sometimes defined is that ethics is the sort of complex decisions that you make about what's right and wrong whereas morals are the socially imposed notions of how one ought to behave. In
0: both cases, then, I'm thinking... They're always relational. They're always relational. It's always in relation to something else, and so the only potentially neutral position would be it would only be possible if there was nothing for you to be in relation to
1: yeah i mean i am i i will always talk from the perspective of these sort of like relational ethics care ethics these versions of thinking about what it means to make good choices for me are always more interesting when they're about the relational right there are definitely schools of philosophy that are Concerned primarily with like the singular self and how one like sits and thinks about oneself. And those just fundamentally don't interest me and are unsurprisingly usually centered on the work of like wealthy white men who could imagine themselves as having no responsibility and no relation to those around them because that's how patriarchy and white supremacy work. Right. Whereas feminists and people of color tend to forward philosophical understandings that are about relationship. Yeah. And this episode, I think, takes that tack as well. It says no woman is an island and that fantasy of being like, cool, I'll just live by myself in this house in the middle of a fucking desert and that will be fine. Like it's not fine. No. That is not no. a happy person.
0: No, she doesn't seem happy uh, or content in in any way. She's she's still pining for cocaine. Yeah, she's she's
1: got a fundamental hunger and dissatisfaction yeah. that the co- cocaine is like a metaphor for, right? Right. But it's yeah. it's that fundamental. Like this is not somebody who is who is satisfied. Yeah,
2: I wrote immediately. The medium place is hell. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's you're getting nothing from it you'll you'll never be happy there so that is hell right yeah yeah, yeah.
1: and it's not the hell that it's not the hell of the bad place it's not eternal suffering and torture mm-hmm. it's like a purgatory you don't ever get to earn your way out of which sucks i think it's limbo actually
0: yeah and i was wondering whether being on your own in that way would make life easier or harder like morally or ethically just by removing yourself from the harder types of decisions the ones that often involve other people but
1: i think on the surface it it could feel easier the same way that severing ties to other people can feel easier
0: right but actually
1: and ultimately leaves you deeply hungry yeah for cocaine Hmm.
0: yeah (laughs) and all you have Instead of cocaine, it's Cannonball Run 2. And masturbation. Yeah, the median place is hell. Yeah, it's bad. Well played, Wendy. <laughs> Wendy really brought that one home.
1: No kidding. All right. Segment us.
0: Okay. Mm, this ethics. segment. Bu- 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 bad to the bone. Uh, bu- 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 bad. bad to the bone. Remember that. Bow <laughs> <laughs> The bone. this segment is this is jeopardy essentially this is a gonna be a little quiz the twist is all the answers start with the word good or the word bad please buzz in are you two ready yes bad Let's to the it. bone okay um you don't have to state your answers in the form of a question
1: Thank just, God. Just, how, just how do we
2: buzz in, though? Dealer's it's, choice.
0: Whatever noise. Wait, whatever
1: buzzer noise feels right in your heart.
0: Okay. After
1: we're done recording, can I eat some of those popcorn twists? Absolutely. Thank so, God. I brought them. It's a party. Oh. Oh. Yeah.
2: Podcast
1: party. Hashtag yeah. <laughs> blessed.
0: <laughs> Let's.
1: This better stay in. If you edit out the part where I ask if I can eat the popcorn twists, I'm going to be furious.
0: No, I want to power through this segment so we could get to the twist. Fuck ah. yeah. Ah. Twist! All right.
2: Twist! Comma popcorn. Are you ready? Mmm.
0: This CBS TV show starred Juliana Margulies as a mother, resuming her career as a defense Buzz! attorney. Hannah. The good wife. Correct. One point to Hannah. Up next. This 1982 classic rock song by George Thorogood and the Destroyers features the lyrics, Now when I walk the streets, kings and queens step aside, every woman I meet. They'll stay satisfied.
2: Buzz.
0: Hannah.
1: Bubba Bad. Bed to the bone. Correct. The eponymous song. I know.
2: Deep cut, yo.
1: Uh, bu- 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 bad.
2: Bad of the bone. It's a bad song, too.
1: Oh, oh it's yeah. very oh, b- b-
0: b- b- bad. I hate that song. Those lyrics are cringeworthy. It sucks. Fuck. <laughs> Speaking of cringeworthy. Wendy's like, I only know good songs. Sorry, losers.
2: Yeah. <laughs> mm, cool. I'm a cool person.
0: This 2003 black comedy starred Billy Bob Thornton as a con man who comes up with a ridiculous ruse in order to rob wow, department wow. stores. Wendy.
2: Bad Santa. Correct. Yeah. Good buzzer.
0: <laughs> Can we just test to make sure your buzzer is still working really quick?
2: Wow. Wow!
0: Good. Going to turn that into a ringtone.
2: Is Jasmine. What's her name? Was that? Drag queen?
0: Wow. Wow. wow, wow. Uh, yeah. Jocelyn Fox.
2: Jocelyn Fox. Wow. wow. She sucked too. <laughs> oh no. <I'm> sorry.
0: <laughs> Jocelyn <laughs> listens to this podcast. Yeah. Jocelyn's yeah. a big fan. So she's going to be sad that you said I that.
2: Apologize.
0: This highly acclaimed children's bedtime story was first published in 1947 and is a rhyming poem describing the bedtime ritual of an anthropomorphic bunny rabbit. Oh, Buzz! Yes, Hannah! Good
1: night, Moon! Yeah! Oh, you threw me! You, it was a loop! It was a twist! Good night! It was the good night! Yes. Oh.
0: Okay, Wendy, you're trailing. Time for the comeback. Are you ready? This is a tire company. They sell tires. Buzz. Yes, Hannah. Goodyear. Correct. Also known for blimps. Last one. This 1990 fantasy novel, written as a collaboration between Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman, was recently adapted into an Amazon Prime TV show.
2: Buzz.
0: <laughs> Hannah, crushing it. Good omens. Oh, you almost lost it for a sec.
1: I did. I couldn't remember what kind of omens it was. <laughs> medium moments not oh, good. Omens. Is it medium moments?
0: Medium moments? Yeah. Shit, uh, omens. that has been bad to the bone. Uh, our winner is Hannah.
2: Adoy. Could have told you that was gonna happen.
1: Well, now I feel less good about my win.
2: <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't mean to take away from your win. That I was not really, my intention. I worked really hard. Yeah. For that. Not my intention. I'm sorry. You're right. <laughs> Thanks for putting me on blast. You know what
1: that interaction was like? Bad medicine. Is it what you need?
2: (laughs) Give me more of those licks. I don't think I'm familiar.
1: Your love is like bad Bad medicine. medicine. Bad medicine is what I
0: need. Whoa. whoa, We should just do this all night. We
1: sure should. (sighs) <sighs> okay do you have any more questions or I have is it time for advice i
0: have one more here's my last question so eleanor's caught reading her book what we owe to each other and mindy says if you want to survive that's not
1: my book i only have Anne rice novels with water stains and i've cut out most of the words to make pornography that's what
0: she says <laughs> this is what she says immediately after and then she says thank you for that hannah <laughs> if you want to survive you gotta forget what you left behind Marshall wants to know. Wait, what's my name? Buzz. Buzz. Buzz wants Light to beer. know. Buzz Lightbear wants to know. Can you leave your past behind? <laughs> and or should you?
2: No. No. It's impossible. That's why you lie awake every other night not being able to fall asleep. And something from grade six pops into your head. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we can't leave it behind and we shouldn't try to, but we also shouldn't live in it. And I feel like I know a lot of people who do, who, who choose, who either live in the pain of the past and let that define them or who live in... A historical understanding of themselves I mean at the top of my head the the example that I think of is women who for all of the shitty reasons of patriarchy are fixated on fetishizing themselves when they were younger and thinner you know who, who hate the way that their bodies and lives change as they grow older that people fetishize the past and obsess over it yeah. so whether it's a bad past that you dwell on or an idealized past that you fetishize either way living in the past is a is a it's nostalgia it's as john hodgman often says a toxic impulse like nostalgia is so dangerous because it prevents you from moving forward so it's like you've got to bring your past with you you've got to keep it with you and honor it and understand it and build from it and you also need to keep moving forward
0: yeah that makes sense to me i struggle with this a lot because so much a a lot of things i would just like to ignore but they're also tied up with the things that i don't want to forget and the best piece of advice other than what hannah just offered uh was given given by a friend of mine i think she was quoting her therapist at the time but it was something along the lines of your past is like a rear view mirror you don't drive only looking in the rear view mirror mm-hmm. you glance at it occasionally to make sure you're all right and to see where you've come from and to what your surroundings are like but you look forward you have to look forward to move forward mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know it's not my favorite metaphor but it, i understand entirely it war- it makes sense to me fully and that it's hit simple. home and it's kind of stuck with me
1: yeah, I I have been thinking lately, particularly via a lot of learning I have done from a lot of feminists in my life about whiteness and the way it's obsessed with progress and forward movement and a linear notion of time and mm-hmm. how that's associated with Western culture, capitalism, all of these systems that that fetishize progress and that um want to sort of slice off the past. And how much we have to learn i think particularly from black and indigenous thinkers about what it means to honor your ancestors and to understand where you have come from beyond the scope of your own lifetime and in these larger frameworks of you know who are your ancestors where do your people come from what histories are you emerging out of mm. how can you take these longer views of the past that you know can root you help you understand your context and also help you as you sort of grow and move forward whether you're you know growing out of the strength of those ancestors or maybe growing out of a more rooted awareness of the way this those ancestors participated in in systems and histories that you want to work away from. Yeah. You know, but you can't be somebody who is working away from or working against colonialism for example if you haven't actually thought about your own roots within those systems. Yeah. So it's not even just in our own time frames, it's or in our own lifetimes, it's these longer time frames that we can think about our relationships to the past and that I think when we really take the past seriously as something that is always working on and within and through us, then that really linear notion of like, it's behind me Mm -hmm. and what's next is in front of me.
0: And they're separate things. And they're
1: separate, separable things like that kind of falls away, right? It's like, we're all standing in a field and there isn't one direction that's the past and one direction that's the future.
0: Mmm, I see what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different metaphor. Yeah, it's a metaphor okay. that I did that's
1: different from driving.
0: Driving. it's a field metaphor. It's a field metaphor instead. I like that.
1: We, we need to know where we come from because our feet are still standing on that ground.
0: Right. It sucks that in order to be a little bit good, you have to deal with a whole bunch of bad sometimes.
1: Yeah. Doing good things is hard.
0: Yeah, it is hard.
2: Nothing yeah. of worth comes easy. Yeah. Quote.
1: It can also be deeply pleasurable. think doing the right thing can also, it is work and it is hard. It can also feel great, right? That it doesn't always need to be self-sacrifice, suffering, misery, an orientation away from what would actually feel good to you. It's like, it can actually feel really good to do something that you think is the right thing.
0: Right, yeah. Or to, you know, break a cycle of... Yeah. yeah. Just think about
1: the, like, ecstatic pleasure of being at something like a drag show surrounded by queer community right like that is a pleasure that is aligned with social justice that's not pleasure despite doing good it's pleasure that comes through the fact that something really good is happening
0: yeah oh that's great that's beautiful thanks for bringing that home
1: shout out to adrian marie brown's recent book pleasure activism
0: yeah i heard you speak about that on your other podcast yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
0: You guys want to do some advice?
1: Oh, uh, I'm feeling very wise right
2: now, so <laughs> fuck yeah. Okay. Dole it out, sis.
0: You, you, you ought to know. This is You Oughta to Know, a podcast within a podcast where our co-host and guest dish out the advice to people with problems in the world. Our first people is Lindsay from Vancouver. Lindsay says, I live with a roommate in a big apartment building, the kind where people are coming and going and sometimes buzz the wrong number. The other day, that very thing happened, but my roommate buzzed the person in anyways. But in the laundry room the next morning, I heard that a bunch of bikes were stolen from the bike room by someone who was randomly let into the building the night before. And here's the kicker. The landlord has now locked off the bike room, which is also the building's gym, until whoever let the thief in comes clean. Whoa. My roommate knows that it was probably her fault, but she won't come clean because she's terrified of getting in trouble, or worse, getting evicted. It's not fair that everyone else is getting punished for her mistake, but I can't bring myself to rat her out. Should I just come clean, or try to convince her to fess up, or just ride it out and work out someplace else? What should I do?
1: Okay, that sucks. Yeah. And I really hope that your roommate has learned... The lesson about building safety because mm-hmm. it feels shitty to be a hard ass about buzzers but it can be a real safety issue
0: totally yep.
1: um something much worse than bikes being stolen could have happened yeah and so that's you know a lesson to learn and also i I'm guessing it's probably a violation of the terms of your rental agreement for your landlord to arbitrarily lock rooms in your building to punish you. Sounds
2: totally illegal.
0: Probably, yeah. yeah.
1: So I would actually put your energy towards figuring out how to deal with the fact that your landlord's doing something illegal. Mm -hmm. He's not your dad. Nice reframe.
2: Yeah, that's not okay. And she definitely learned her lesson. That'll never happen again. A big mistake like that. So growth. Hurrah. First of all, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, It's not okay that their building manager or landlord, who's a landlord, yeah, yeah, either either way, that's that's not all right. You can't you can't hold something hostage, no, like that. Everyone is paying their rent, yeah. yeah so and totally. it's un- it's unfortunate that, that happened, and l- let it be a lesson for everyone else going forward. The other
1: reframe I would offer is if it is a large building what are the odds that you are the only person who buzzed somebody in by mistake that night? Mm-hmm. Like, chances are there's somebody else in your building who's going through exactly the same experience right now of being oh, like, oh, yeah. fuck, it was me. Oh, my God, do I come forward? Oh, God, what do I do? Because people pull that shit all the time.
0: Yeah.
2: Do you know how many people are ordering DoorDash and shit these days? Everyone, all it's the time. constant.
0: Totally. Do you want to do another advice? Yes. Yeah. This one's from Nicole in Toronto. Nicole says, So my sister is having a baby boy. I am excited and can't wait to become his favorite aunt. However, the last time I was over at their place for a party, I heard them talking about baby names. It turns out they have already decided, and their decision is... Knives spelt k-n-y-v-e-s
1: knives is such a great name now
0: i have a strong feelings about bringing children into this world but putting those aside i don't know what the ethical thing to do is should i respect their decision or go to extreme lengths to convince them otherwise for the sake of my unborn nephew
1: no it's fine knives is a dope name and also it's none of your business
2: um wendy rebuttal i it's a name It can be a name. Anything can be a name. Most names are boring. This one seems less boring. So fucking mind your own business. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's Um, just like
1: everybody in the world is going to have an opinion about literally whatever baby name people choose. Like people love to have an opinion about that shit. And it's like, Naz is a weird name, but it's also like it sounds really weird to you right now because it has not been a
0: person's name. You'll get used to it really quickly. Yeah, you'll get used to it.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a name of the future. Oh, it's You too
0: are crushing it. We should just have been doing advice the whole time. Great advice. You got more in you? Yes. This one is from Daniel in Atlanta. Daniel says, I was at a design conference last week for work. A number of colleagues and I go every year. This year, a coworker and friend of mine was giving a talk in the main hall. To support him, we got seats right up front so he could see us. About ten minutes in, he moved from behind the podium and began walking around the stage, and I noticed that his fly was very much undone. I was about to get his attention and let him know, but then I realized that if he were to correct the situation, it would draw even more attention. If I noticed, other people must have noticed, but I didn't say anything so as not to make his public embarrassment worse than it already was. Was that the right thing to do? What are the ethical guidelines for causing, avoiding, or mitigating such public embarrassments?
2: Telling the person speaking in the moment would not have helped the situation. Because they're in the middle of focusing on something and then mm. ripping them away from that and putting them in uh, Mr. Embarrassing Chair over here or mm. Mr. Like Shame Chair. Wouldn't wouldn't have made the situation any better. Yeah. He'll discover that later on his own or maybe and maybe he doesn't feel shame about it at all, just like mistakes happen. Uh ha ha funny, yeah. laugh it off. Uh, you don't need to put your shame on a person.
1: Well, yeah. that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I mean
0: I like that this is the hardest question. It
1: is. <laughs> Generally, if whatever is going wrong is fixable, I think the usual etiquette protocol is like tell somebody when something is fixable, but you don't want to interrupt somebody in the middle of giving a public talk to be like, hey, hey, flies down, XYZ. <laughs> I think that there's like a very small sort of slice of the pie percentage chance here that you could like catch your friend's eye and sort of meaningfully look and that they could like, maybe go back behind the podium and like subtly oh. zip up. Like you could try for that, but like the likelihood that they will make eye contact with you and then read your eye contact correctly and then think to like- Look at their crotch. back behind the podium. Like I can see a very, very small likelihood of a scenario in which you could have like subtly communicated it.
0: That's a lot but of contingencies. It's a
1: lot of contingencies. And it is one of those like, After the fact, they're going to realize and they're going to feel embarrassed, but they will survive and nobody in the audience there, like people in the audience, some will have noticed and will have been like, oh, that's embarrassing. But like, think about it. If you went and saw a speaker and their fly was undone, would you be like, well, everything they said is invalid now? (laughs) You'd be like, no, it's a person. They made a mistake.
0: Yeah, that happens. Uh, My fly was down for the first half hour of recording this podcast. Oh. I would noticed that and fixed it when you two weren't looking.
2: I didn't notice it at all. I mean, the
1: way that you sit while recording this podcast, we would really have had to, like, be looking. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like, one sec. Everybody pause. I just need to get a real good gander. <laughs> In this Which segment,
0: we all stare at my crotch. Yep, 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 yep. No one's favorite segment. That's the end of You Ought to no. Know. Great the job, advice everyone. advice has been doled out. You that crushed cool. it. That's cool. You crushed it. Oh. And now it's almost time for popcorn twists.
1: Oh my God, popcorn twists. I'm so excited. But you have
0: to do one more thing before you get your popcorn twists. Okay. Do you know what that thing is?
2: Give it to me. Give, give it, it to, to me. me. Give, give, give it to me. Boom, boom. You, you live. You love. You, love. you cry.
1: You, learn. you lose. You learn.
0: Our final segment is called you learn. In this segment, Hannah and our guests offer one little thing to the listeners that they can try or read or watch or experiment with or eat or smell or touch or be in proximity to that will maybe help them be a little bit better of a person. Maybe. My favorite segment. As always, start with the guest wendy what would you like to offer our listeners
2: okay because this is my first podcast ever wow and i listen to so many i think i want to share some helpful podcasts that i've been listening to lately yeah good Mm -hmm. highly entertaining uh highly fun funny People of color. I'm
1: really worried you're going to scoop the specific podcast that I was planning on recommending. Uh-oh. So
2: let's find out. Oh, just no. go oh, ahead. Okay. Go, All right, go Wendy. ahead with your um, recommendation. The is yours. Go listen to Adulting. Michelle Buteau and Jordan Carlos, I believe. What's it about? What is it about? Yeah. This, this podcast is just so funny. They're, they blow you out of the water every time. They just talk about general adulting. Answer the heavy hitting questions about how much you should be spending on pillows? And oh my god, this already sounds so useful. Yes, <laughs> um, uh, and 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 it's just it's a great lifter upper, and we're all thinking this. We're all at a certain age in our lives these days. I don't know about you, but me for sure.
1: I'm also at a certain age. Yes. Yeah.
2: Where uh, I'm at a
0: nondescript <laughs> age.
2: No age.
1: Ageless. Yeah, you're a baby. Like the sea. Yeah. yeah that sounds great. Could do that. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Download an episode from a bike ride home.
0: That sounds so good. I'm worried about how much I spend on pillows now.
1: Oh, not enough. Or too much.
0: I haven't bought a new pillow in so long. I haven't bought a new pillow in so
1: long. And I was changing my sheets yesterday, and I was looking at my pillows, and I was like bitch you should buy some new pillows you're an adult yeah
2: there's so many stains on mine right now yeah, there's why nasty. there's so many stains where'd those come from there's always pillowcases on them I don't understand it would be really embarrassing if I took those pillowcases off and someone had to see those nasty ass pillows nasty, dirty pillows I mean it
0: might be a little embarrassing but everyone's pillows has those stains on them we all have those pillows do
2: you get nosebleeds as much as I do because no. those, those pillows are evidence that I get no bleeds
0: but once a month Niles. i just wake up in like a f- feverish sweat for oh, no reason yeah, yeah, and everything's yeah. just draunched oh, i bodies have to like gross. roll over and just like go over on jamie's side of the bed <laughs> yeah. like i can't be over there right now it's like Too a swamp wet. it's a swamp gross. give me two minutes over here please
2: that's real
1: that is real swampy um, okay, I was also going to recommend a great podcast made by people of color. Um, I am with you on that being a very important form of media consumption. It is a podcast I've just started listening to this week and I'm totally hooked on. I think I have two episodes left. I'm going to be so sad when I'm out, even though they are still making it. It is called Best Friends. It is Nicole Bayer and Sashir Zameda. Oh, and yes. it is joyous and splendid it's two very funny black women comedians who are best friends and the podcast is mostly the two of them just talking to each other and often doing buzzfeed quizzes on air which is amazing but they also talk a lot about friendship and they have other best friends come on and talk about their friendships and it is a podcast that is celebrating how incredibly important close friendships are in your life and how they can help you become a better person and work through shit and are transformative and healing and it's really exciting listening to a podcast that is celebrating friendship in that way and it's all the better because they're both like super super funny and it's a delight to listen to so best
2: friends, oh, I mean, so good! I love those, those both two. sound great, yeah, they're and so put, good. Put them together finally, all my dreams have come true. Oh,
1: there was an episode where the guests were June Diane Raphael and Casey Wilson. Oh, yeah, who are like super long term best friends, mm-hmm.
2: they've worked on a lot of projects together,
1: yeah. And it was so they play this game where they ask, it's like a version of the the newlywed game, where like they ask one of the friends a bunch of questions alone, and then ask the other friend a bunch of questions, and then bring them in together and like compare their answers out so loud. Good. It's so cute. Ugh, that sounds podcasts great. Podcasts are great.
0: They are great. Ah, we should Thank make you. a podcast. Maybe sounds hard. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Ugh. Now we've come to the end. It's over, Wendy. Thanks for coming to be on our podcast.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. I hope I wasn't such a disappointment that you you all cry yourself to sleep tonight.
0: I'll cry myself to sleep for other reasons. It's
1: going to be like top three episodes.
0: We're going to go eat some popcorn twists. You should uh, listen to the next episode of this
1: podcast. Sure.
0: Be nice to your friends. Uh, Try to be a good person. It's hard, but uh, you can do it.
2: We believe in you.
0: Yeah, we do. Oh, as always, thank you to Shout Out, 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 Out for the use of our theme song, Bad Choices, off their album, Reintegration Time. If you want some ethical advice from whoever our guests are on Season 2, email help at badchoices.ca. And then, after you hit send, go do some rating and reviewing of this fun podcast. And then get yourself some popcorn twists. Download some podcasts and just try your best to
1: make good choices. Oh, I was gonna make my buzzer wickle wick-a-wow wop wow a wow wow west. <laughs> and I was like, that's gonna take too long.
2: <laughs> An
1: inefficient buzzer.
2: <laughs> yeah. And mine should be Me I a, Miami. Ben benito at Miami.